The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. We thank you, as always, for joining us today. Uh, we have a wonderful guest we are about to speak to. His name is Marty Metro. He is the innovator, thought leader, eco-entrepreneur, and CEO of usedcardboardboxes.com. He's got a great story about persistence in this field of sustainability and environment. Marty, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. I don't know if it's persistence or a little bit of insanity or a little bit of both. Right. I didn't want to say insanity because I thought you might freak out, but I think that, um, you know. It wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) You and I both have a little bit of that going on, but that's why we move ahead. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think you kind of have to, if you you are uh, straight and narrow and just to do what everyone else does, I think uh, we'll never... We'll never innovate. We'll never improve. But if you try to buck the system and try and create something new, that's how we that's how we find new ways of uh, doing business and better ways of doing business. Exactly. I, I wholly agree with you. Well, give give our listeners an idea about your story. Um, it's a very interesting one, and you have started this terrific company. I'm a customer, and I just um, Yay. yeah, and, and my uncle is about to be one. Just so you know, and and very he is cool. Yeah, he has some questions. He had some questions for me right before we went on the air, and I said he'd have to wait until after the show because I was about to talk to you live. But um, and you're gonna ask you're gonna ask the questions uh, live and make me answer uh, customer service questions on the. <laughs> I on wouldn't. The air. I would. I wouldn't do that because we've got so many other things <laughs> to talk about. But yeah, I'll get you off air afterwards, or maybe I can answer them myself. We'll see. So, um, all right. So give give. Give our listeners an idea, um, you know, just about about you and your trajectory, and and then we'll move on to um, to the company as well. Sure. Well, I'll give you a, a, the the quick snapshot of me. I'm a I'm a normal guy that grew up on the East Coast. I uh, went to the University of Maryland. Um, I actually was kind of a, a screwed up, rebellious kid, but when I got to college, I kind of liked it and uh, applied all my energy to. Um, I guess school and you know beer and school. So uh, I, I was able I was able to pull them both off. I graduated with honors uh, with a degree in in organizational psychology because I loved the psychology of people and groups and how people work together. A small problem for all you listeners when you degree when you graduate with a degree uh, in organizational psychology, even with honors. There's just not a whole lot of jobs out there for you. Um, So uh, I had my choice to go on to get my Ph.D. to then be even more of an expert in something that I may not be able to get a job in. Uh, (laughs) So I went to to graduate school in business. I got my MBA. And uh, after getting my MBA, I I went on to work for a big consulting firm back then called uh, Anderson Consulting. Well, now it's called Accenture. And um, thanks to... Thanks to Enron, it, uh, it changed its name and changed a lot of things. So uh, anyway, long story short, got into the dot-coms and was learning all kinds of great stuff and building big, big software systems for big companies like Boeing and AT&T. And then when the dot-coms came, we were building big software systems for the back end of the dot-coms. And then the dot-coms were over, and so was I, because... Uh, Whatever year it was, uh, there were a lot, a lot of consultants building a lot of technology systems for big companies, and everything just plain stopped. And mm-hmm. all the projects got canceled, and all the 
high paid consultants were sitting around twiddling their fingers. And to be honest with you, I got really frustrated with the whole concept that, you know, what had I been doing? What, what value was I creating? I was really just helping huge companies with a software system that really didn't make much of an impact as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. So I came up with a crazy idea to buy and sell used boxes. I figured why make something new, cut down a tree when there's already so many boxes being thrown away. And that, that started in 2002. And that was my, um, I guess it was just a, out of the, I, I knew that I knew how to build software and, and build supply chains and I understood logistics. I just was very frustrated in not having an impact on this world. So when you yeah. take those two things and put them together, I guess you come up with buying and selling used boxes. That is excellent. Um, so you, but the first, the first uh, try at this was not successful, as I understand, right? Correct. In okay. 2002, I was a cocky, uh, <laughs> well-paid, overpaid, um, big six consultant. I had just, you know, helped these huge companies build their logistics systems, and everyone looked at me as a distribution and logistics expert and software expert, and. Uh, I had a little bit of money in the bank and the dot-coms were over and I said, well, hey, I've got this great idea. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but come on, I can buy people's empty boxes when they move. I mean, heck, I can go pick them up for free and they'll be happy. And then I know I can sell those same boxes for less than U-Haul or public storage or one of those box companies sells them for. So if I can get them for free or even pay 10 cents, and I can sell them for a dollar, which is half the price of U-Haul, maybe even $2, which is still half the price from many of the boxes at U-Haul. How could I not make money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, it's a, it's a 90 cent, um, you know, whatever it is, a 10 times uh, increase in my cost. And on paper, at least the transaction looked fantastic. Uh, three years later, with four retail stores all losing a lot of money every month. I had lost every penny I had. My bank account was zero. And I had $300,000 of bank debt that I had to pay. And um, the, I guess the moral of the story is you can buy a widget for 10 cents and sell it for a dollar. And you can sell hundreds of them and make hundreds of dollars. But if it costs you thousands of dollars to run the business, you're in a lot of trouble. And that's yeah. where I found myself in 2005. And I think uh, the moral of the story, not just the math, but the moral of the story is you can't just wake up and say, I'm going to build a green business. And because it feels good, I'm sure it will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, business is still business and it has to pay for itself. And that was a painful lesson I learned over the course of three years. Mm-hmm. But you persevered, as we discussed earlier well with the, back, with the, back to that little bit of insanity uh, back I, um, to the insanity which is very important yeah um, I, mean, I, I went through i went through everything and, and i'm not i'm not shy uh, as you can probably tell but uh you know i i went through everything from um you know mental breakdowns to cold sweats in the middle of the night to trying different medications to calm myself down <laughs> I, I had i had job interviews that i couldn't even handle i had a i had a very i I had a buddy that worked at Microsoft, and he um, kind of uh, put me up the fast track to an interview, and they flew me out to Denver to interview for me, me for a big, 
big position at Microsoft. And uh, I sat there and had a mental breakdown in the interview. It was oh, no. they were asking me what I had been doing for three years and what was what was I thinking? You know, for ten years I was this big supply chain consultant, and they were saying, "Well, explain what happened in these three years. Explain what you've been doing." And you know, just like I couldn't explain it to my wife, I couldn't explain why I sat there and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on something that didn't work. So. Um, but you know, they, they, I hear I hear again and again on my on my show that 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 you know, if you don't fail, if you just start a company and everything goes copacetically and you have no failures, I mean, a three hundred thousand dollar failure, you know, I will say is is a quite a large one, but not insurmountable. No, was, hold on, I, I got to clarify. It wasn't a three hundred thousand dollar failure. It was probably close to a million dollar failure. It left me with. <laughs> $300,000 of debt. debt of debt. Okay. Meaning, meaning you got zero in the bank and you still have to pay somebody $300,000. <laughs> right. Okay. But so you failed, you failed. We, you know, I, I've definitely failed at things. People fail all the time. I've gone to conferences and they say, if you don't fail, we don't even want to talk to you. They want us, they want people who are out there actually working hard at something and, and, and they kind of want a little failure. So, so you, you ended up, turning it around, medications are working, whatever have you. <laughs> and, uh, and now you have this company. Yeah. Now, you tell me how you did it. I mean, how did you get, go from $300,000 in debt, not really knowing what, what you want to do, right. botched interviews, et cetera, to creating this company that is working? How, you know, yeah. how much was te- technology you know, a, part of, a part of this too? Um, it was a lot of technology. A lot of realizing, as cocky as I was, I did not know how to do this. Um, it was a lot of realizing that ideas, and I, I do a lot of public speaking, and I, I uh, hate to say this, but I say it over and over again, ideas are worthless. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a painful thing for an entrepreneur or a, or a uh, young industrial industrious person to, to hear, but ideas are worthless. I say it to my wife all the time. She always says, I got this great idea for this. And I was like, well, okay, that's great. But that's, that's the easy part. It's really, you know, how do you execute and then how do you execute profitably? So my three some years was a great idea that lost lots and lots of money. And when I realized I went back to work uh, as a, as a consultant, to first kind of stabilize myself and get a paycheck for the first time in three years and uh, got a paycheck. And as soon as I started working kind of nine to five, I came home at night and I figured out, you know, I couldn't do this myself. So how do I build a team? How do I get resources? How do I get the expertise that I had when I was a big consulting firm? How do I pay for the computers? How do I pay for the servers? How do I design this stuff? And we built a new plan that was not based on running around in a van in Los Angeles delivering boxes but partnering with UPS, the largest distribution company in the world, partnering with large, large companies that are unpacking millions of boxes, not just hundreds of thousands, and marketing it on a national level to become you know, the national marketplace for used boxes. Mm-hmm. How did you get, how, how did you get um, for instance, UPS's attention? Um, well, they, you know, they'll listen to anybody that will pay them, um, you know, as far as you call them up and say, hey, I want to ship something. But then when you start shipping numbers, and they, you know, 
with all due respect, they're a great company, but they don't, they don't do deals based on promises, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to start shipping product, showing them the numbers, and then going back to them and saying, hey, look how much stuff I'm shipping, can we talk? And then you get a sales rep that talks, and then you start showing them your technology, and then sales rep introduces you to a techno- technical person. You have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because we were a tiny little company, mm-hmm. but we finally developed a system that actually talks to UPS's system uh, live and allows us to print labels all across the country. Okay. Okay. So give us an idea. First of all, I'm going to, I'm going to go back at you a little bit on the, the ideas are worthless comment. Cause I, I don't know. I, I, I went to the verge conference down in DC last week with uh, the green biz conference and, and they have little 10 minute vignettes, you know, that people get up and talk about their one great idea. And uh-huh. I don't you think though, that, I mean, your, your idea, it came from, going around LA and picking up boxes. It was an idea that then it wasn't probably the right idea, or at least it was, hadn't matured, but wasn't it the foundation of, of what you're doing now that's made it so successful? Good, good comeback. Maybe yeah. I will, I will, I'm not going to rephrase, but I'll qualify. Okay. Ideas are inspiring. Ideas are motivating. Ideas can change the world. But financially speaking, (laughs) ideas cannot pay the rent. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, right. so I agree with you. Ideas are absolutely inspiring. I love, I love being, you know, innovating and, and brainstorming. We brainstorm all the time, but yeah. I guess, I guess I will qualify by saying financially speaking, you right. know, I, I talk about kind of the evolution of a, of a new entrepreneurial business. And what I like to say is ideas are financially speaking worthless. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. execution, once you can execute, it's there priceless. is some value and you can say, Hey, look, everybody, I know how to execute. Then step number three, and it's a four step process. Step number three is executing at a profit, right? Mm-hmm. To saying, Hey, I can do this. I can pay my rent. I can pay my, my staff or whatever, and I can market and I can advertise and I'm not losing money anymore. Right. So now, yeah. now you have this, I can do this. I got the idea. I know how to execute. I know how to do it and actually pay for itself. And then the final thing is you got to be able to grow because mm-hmm. the world is growing around you. So even if you're buying something and selling it and doing something good for the environment and making a dollar, what are you going to do with that next dollar? Can you start your next store? Can you start your next vertical? Can you buy your next piece of computer hardware? If it's only a dollar, you might not be able to grow. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to execute profitably with enough cash to grow, and then you have yourself a sustainable business. Mm-hmm. Very well put. Okay, so let's let's get on to the logistics here. Of, of, of okay. if there are people listening saying, "Okay, this is great. What exactly are we talking about here? Um, what does this guy do? <laughs> what, does he, what does this guy do? Because um, I know and you know, but maybe." it's being missed on our audience. Um, I can say from my experience that I needed boxes um, to for a move that actually hasn't happened yet, but is impending. And I went on your website and I pushed, you know, a moving kit and I went to, I think two bedroom or one bedroom, I forget. And then it just walks you through it. And they, and you sent, you get, you, you pay for your boxes. You, you, and they're sent, I think within the week I got them with package packaging materials. Within a week, it's, where, where are you located? It should be within I'm a in, day. I'm in, I'm in Boston. 
it should be it's, we guarantee second day delivery in every uh, every address in the United States. Okay, I misspoke. It was a while ago. So, it was really so quick. Then you need to, you need to file a complaint. No, um, I won't no, file. We... I think it wasn't an imminent move, and I did this because okay. I was interested. No, no, no. So anyway. The next day, my box has arrived, <laughs> and uh, no, but it was we'll it was that part out. <laughs> it was um, you know it was a really seamless process, and the boxes are in very good shape. And it makes me so, as a consumer, I was very happy to find you because I go crazy. I move a lot, and I have to move stuff all the time. And right. going to a store and buying Virgin boxes it just drives me absolutely crazy. And you can get on Craigslist, and there certainly are people who are hawking their you know boxes, but you never. Sure. Know what what shape they're going to be in, so or I'm the a type of person you're dealing with, right? Or yeah, it's that that too. So this is um, it's a relatively straightforward situation here. Um, tell tell us more. Tell us more about okay. evolution. I'll give you a quick quick insight into to the kind of brains behind the system because what you just described is great, which is our consumer offering where we make moving kits uh, and we you know compete against the the big companies out there like u-haul and public storage that you know that's not what they do the you know u-haul rents trucks public storage rents facilities and yeah they also sell boxes uh, but they buy them from a you know cardboard box manufacturer that just cuts down trees and makes boxes so what what we do on that side let, let me back up and, and tell you kind of where the boxes come from Mm-hmm. So, usedcoverbox.com is, yes, we sell moving boxes, but we're really a national logistics company. And we do four things. Number one, thing number one, we buy boxes from large companies. And we're talking about Fortune 500 manufacturers, mm-hmm. excuse me, that manufacture all of our food and all of our you know, consumable products. We buy their cardboard boxes by the tractor trailer load and, and by multiple, multiple tractor trailers. So when a big, big manufacturing company, pick your favorite food, pick your favorite soda, pick your favorite you know, fruit drink, mm-hmm. they're cranking out products all day long. Most of these facilities run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pick your favorite beer, for example. Well, all those companies manufacture those items, but they don't make the bottles, they don't make the caps, they don't make the, the um, casings, they don't make the, all the packaging material that they um, get to make their products, they don't make those packaging materials. So just like anybody else, but when you order a Dell computer, you get the computer, but then what do you do? You unpack it and you have this extra stuff. Well, mm-hmm. imagine a Fortune 500 manufacturer. They are unpacking things all day long. We buy all those boxes and we compete against the recycling companies to buy them for more than the recycling rate. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have facilities all across the country that are buying truckloads of used boxes right out of a, of a commercial uh, an industrial factory so these don't have you know kids toys and clothing and food and all that stuff in it they're 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 never really been touched by human hands they've probably been unloaded by robots forklifts and so forth so mm-hmm. we buy those for more than the recycling rate we bring them back to our facility we sort them inspect them grade them and then we do three things with them if they're the right size shape and quality we make our moving kits 
if they're too big for a moving kit, like for instance, if I gave you a giant box, you couldn't put your books and stuff in it. So we don't use really big boxes in our moving kits. So if they're really big or if they have um, some other reason, different shape, we sell them to other companies. Okay. So if you think about it, a company like Walmart, Walmart needs to move stuff from store to store. They need to send things back to their vendors. They have all kinds of intercompany uh, movements they have to make with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of products. So we supply used boxes to help them do those types of things. And then a the third thing we do with the boxes, if, if, if they are pristine and if they are in great shape, we actually contract with the original supplier to return those boxes back to the supplier to be used again. And if you think about it, 100 years ago, the dairies delivered milk to the stores. Mm-hmm. But they, they said, here's your milk. But by the way, next week when I come back, I'm going to pick up the glasses and the, and the milk crate because I'm delivering you the milk, not the packaging. We now, 100 years later, do the same thing with Fortune 500 manufacturers and say, hey, when you get your stuff from your supplier, give us the boxes. We will mark out the barcode. We will inspect them and return them back to your supplier so they can put more stuff in it for you. We keep track of everything. We do the, the landfill diversion rates. We do the recycling diversion rates. And we provide all this information in a real-time system back to both the supplier and the customer so that they have sustainability reports that they can give to the local municipality, they can give to Walmart, they can give to all the big, big organizations that are looking to see what these 100-year-old manufacturers are doing to be more sustainable. That's really That's cool. That, that last part is, is really, really cool, having the, uh, the original suppliers use the boxes again. So let's say they're loading up, um, you know, some soda product or beer or whatever, um, that they're using the box that loaded up, you know, 24 cans or bottles of whatever. I mean, it's obviously, it's the same, it's the same box that maybe was used a month ago, or I don't even know the time frame. So how often then do these boxes, how, how often can they say, stay within the system to remain their pristine quality? I know that the UPS has something that says 10 times, you know, useful right. life. Is that right? And so does, and so does Walmart. Um, okay. It is a very, very difficult answer a question to answer. It all depends on the client. And it's funny because people, you know, like even sitting around with my my dad and his friends, they kind of laugh. Oh, my God. He's got this simple little business where he goes, you know, and they think I drive around in a pickup truck and pick up some boxes (laughs) and drive them up the street and drop them off somewhere else. It's, um, It's very, very, very difficult what we do because we're dealing with major manufacturers. We're dealing with food manufacturers often. There are... Uh, legal. There's, you know, we do have to do GMP audits. Um, we have to do sealed tractor trailers. We have to have what are, complete for our audience. What are GMP audience? What are GMP audi- oh, I'm audits? Sorry, good manufacturing practices. Sorry, okay. good okay. manufacturing practices. It's it's a um, assessment of how you manage your uh, facility and you know everything from cleanliness to safety to you name it. So when we're, we can't take a box from somebody, leave it outside, you know, and then give it to somebody else to use in a, in a food manufacturing facility. So there's lots of processes, lots of requirements, um, barcoding, you know, a lot of these big, big companies don't have human people 
reading a label and putting the box in the right place. They have a, a uh, um, not RFID, which just a barcode reader that mm-hmm. just you know blips on the barcode. If we have the wrong label or we don't mark out a label properly, that can cause an entire um, recall. Mm, you know, okay. something has the wrong date on it, and they receive it, and they go, "Oh, well, wait a minute! This this isn't going to go on our shelves. This is this is two months old." And someone says, "Oh no, it's not two months old. It's just the the idiots that were sorting our boxes didn't mark out the label right." Well, that could cause an entire entire multi million dollar recall. So we have to have insurance and all that stuff to bring the boxes back to the right company at the right time in the right condition. I but see. Short, okay. short answer to your question is we have we have helped large companies increase the cost of their box so that it lasts longer. So think about it. If you have a cheap, flimsy box that you were just making to send something one way, mm-hmm. and you only pay 50 cents for that box, but used cover boxes comes along and says, hey, you know what? That box costs 50 cents, but if you were to beef it up and make it a stronger box, and it might cost 60 cents. It might even cost 65 cents. Mm-hmm. But we can help you reuse it three times. Mm-hmm. Would you rather use a, sing- a box, a 50-cent box once, or a 65-cent box three times? Correct. So it's massive amounts of savings that these companies can experience. You know, we had one of our clients just recently told us they, had, they spend $100 million in, in cardboard every year. It's just crazy. So for us to help them save 10, 15, 20%, it's an enormous amount of saving. Right. Now you mentioned before, um, and, and this is to clarify, um, for me, for me, um, you're, you're giving these companies more than the recycling rate that they would get. So what is your relationship with these recycling companies? Cause obviously at the end of life, you have to have some association with them. Is that right? right. That's a great, great question, and I, and I appreciate you following the, the stream. Um, so, a lot of recyclers, uh, on first, you know, first hearing about us, will say, "Oh, that's the enemy. They're getting in and taking boxes away, and every box that they reuse is a box I can't buy and crush and ship to China." Right? Because mm-hmm. that's mostly what you know. If, if China is demanding. Excuse me. If China is demanding uh, the most, and they are, because China is producing all the products for us, and they need boxes in order to ship them, right? So mm-hmm. China doesn't doesn't uh, grow their own enough trees to cut them down. So what China does, they're very smart. They buy our scrap cardboard, they turn it into pulp, and make you know make recycled content boxes and you can tell when a box comes from China it's, it's made with rice paper mm-hmm. it may, it's made with our scrap and their rice uh, so it's kind of a yellowish box mm-hmm. so they use they, they use our scrap and they buy our scrap so the ships come over from China with cars and TVs and you know all of our electronics they get unloaded and then believe it or not they get loaded back up with US cardboard waste and okay. they go back to China with all of our scrap. So what used cardboard boxes does is says, hey, wait a minute. Big companies, all you're doing is throwing away these boxes. You're tearing them up and you're sending them to China. We can reuse them here first. So 
the typical recycler doesn't necessarily like that concept because we're getting in between them and their uh, client. Mm-hmm. However, as I just spoke at a, I just spoke at a big recycling conference, the Southeast Recycling Conference in Florida. I was one of the one of the speakers there. There were six hundred recycling companies there, and I was explaining to them, "Hey, <laughs> if I can say something funny, um, <laughs> I said, don't hate the player, hate the game." Because it's not me that's causing this. It's the clients that are saying, hey, how can we reduce our waste and make more money? So the answer is you can reuse the resources. Right. The good news for the recycler is we don't want company scrap. We can't do anything with scrap. So we still want to work with the recyclers. We want to bring the recyclers into our clients, Mm -hmm. and we want to create a program for them where the right commodity goes to the best place. And if it's a box and it can be reused, it needs to be reused right here in the U.S. If it can't, then it gets recycled. So once we help the recycler understand that we want to work with them, we can't do their job. Mm -hmm. We work Mm -hmm. with them. And because most recyclers don't have sophisticated tracking software, and we do, we work with the recycler, we embrace the recycler, and we provide the company, the the, big manufacturer, with full reports on recycling and reuse. If you don't know what you're doing today, you can't track your improvement tomorrow. So what we do is we do a whole benchmark assessment. We show them what they've been recycling, what they've been reusing, what the commodity indexes are, and we track all their improvement along with the recycler. So the kind of recycler comes along for free and gets, you know, kind of stays with its client. But if a recycler isn't able to give that type of information report back to their back to their client, they're mm-hmm. probably going to lose that client anyway because right. the municipalities are demanding it. Wow. This is cool. We've talked. I mean, I, I want to talk to you for another half hour. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. Um, oh, no problem. This is like teasing our audience. Hopefully they'll, they'll get on used card, bo- card bar- boxes dot com and I'll, I'll put some more stuff up on the site. But really quickly, what, what, what are you doing in the future? What's your plan here to build out? Um, well, we are um, we are launching facilities all across the country. We have a big one in Baltimore. Um, we are uh, just about to open the uh, one in the Midwest in Indiana, um, and uh, you know basically we're we're employing people. Um, mm-hmm. I actually um, have a meeting with a very large, if not the largest, kind of uh, nonprofit uh, helping challenge people go to work type company, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, where we are trying to employ more people. And, uh, you know, we, we're all, we're out to work with large companies, get them to make a little bit more money on their recycling than they were, mm-hmm. work with other large companies to have them spend a little bit less on packaging than they were. Mm-hmm. And if we can make a profit and we can employ people, that is, oh, this is a nice closer. That is what I was talking about at the very beginning, which is, it's not just an idea, it's a sustainable meaning financially sustainable sustainability program. So, you know, one of the other things I do when I, when I do a lot of public speaking, I ask the question, is sustainability sustainable? Mm-hmm. And the idea of Kumbaya, let's go make, you know, green stuff and let's, let's be a greener place. I like the idea. Right. It's got to be sustainable. 
I, I, I get it. I get it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you so much coming on. This has been terrific. And we'll, we'll have you back to talk more. Fantastic. I love the forum. And if anybody has any questions, go to usecoverboxes.com. You can, there's a link to email me directly. Um, if you got any questions, ideas that I can help you execute, Excellent. thoughts, uh, areas for improvement, uh, please, I'm an open book. So shoot me an email. Terrific, Marty. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.